Hey guys, welcome to the Short Term Show special episode series, 10 episode deep dive on the Galveston and Crystal Beach, Texas markets. Couple notes before we dive in. If you guys are looking for current income and current prices of properties in this market, you can get all of that info on our website at theshorttermshop.com. You can set up searches just like you do on Zillow or realtor.com, all those places. And we do have all the income data as well. So be sure to check that out. Also make sure you check out our other special episode series. So we have 20 markets that we operate as real estate agents in, and we have 10 episode series just like this one on all of those. Make sure to check out the short-term show as well as the short-term rental management show, and be sure to join our Facebook group. It's called Short-Term Rental Long-Term Wealth. Same title as my book. Now let's go ahead and dive in. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the short-term show special episode series of on Galveston Crystal Beach. Sorry, Luke has really distracted me by making faces and doing things on the camera. If you're on YouTube, you can see. Um, but he totally threw off my intro of this one. So today, guys, we're going to be talking about calendars and pricing. We've got Kelsey Ardwin and then, of course, Cash Flow Carl here to talk about this. And Luke is going to be the one driving this one. I'm just here for non-comedic relief. I'm just here to tell Luke every time he screws up. And because uh, he's the, the calendar and pricing whiz around here. So without further ado, I will let Luke take over. I'd like to start uh, with the low-hanging fruit of uh, just general seasonality in like a 12-month uh, calendar year. Um, and I'm, I'm going to ask Kelsey about that. So uh, just, you know, give me, take as much time as you need, because sometimes this can be short and sometimes it's not. Well, what months can I expect uh, bookings and what months can I not? If the kids are out of school, it's generally, you you should be booked. If your property is a good one, you should be booked. Like during the summer, it's wall-to-wall bookings. If there's a long weekend before, after spring break, any of those times, you should find that uh, it'll be booked. Um, once the kids go back to school and people have done a lot of their summer beach type vacations, you do get a lull if you get ahead of pricing and you price the end of August and into September well, then you can get those booked, those weekends booked as well. Um, outside of summer, you are looking to book weekends and holidays. Okay. So all that plays out. All right. So is it a situation where maybe not too many bookings at all in, say, December, January, February? Um is we that safe to say? Found, we've haven't found that to be the case. I think our property outperforms a lot of others. There's a lot that we provide for our guests to do. Not really huge amenities. We have a hot tub, but other than that, it's um, you know, we we just make it entertaining for people. There's cornhole, there's um ladder ball, beach toys, chairs, lots of things that that are there at the property that like we provide the fun. Lots of things that are there for them that they don't have to pack as well. So it's what's ladder ball? Ladder ball. ladder ball is this game. It's like two golf balls connected by a string, like a rope, and you throw it on this. There's like three rungs of a ladder, and each mm-hmm. rung is like a different point. Okay, and Chris is obsessed with activities, so we have lots of activities. Okay, so cool. All yeah. right, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just had to know what that was. No, you're good. Um, and it's a common game down here. So uh, what we were talking about pricing. So there, there, you'll end up having a couple weekends 
where you don't end up booking. Even for our property, there's probably uh, ours is wall-to-wall bookings for summer. And we booked every weekend of the year, except for probably three or four. Oh, wow. So you're getting weekends in the wintertime. Well, generally, even though we have had the occasional winter freeze, it's really atypical. I mean, I've worn shorts to Christmas because that was the only appropriate thing to wear because it was hot. Yeah, Uh, I did. uh, Yeah, I I did want to mention that, actually, the the, according to the weather, uh, like, uh, you know, National Association of Weather, uh, the lowest it ever gets is January, which is uh, 61 for the average high in January. So this is definitely, you know, it's a typical beach. I mean, it's Texas after all. Um, but, but that being said, you know, we live in the Destin area and it, it's almost neck and neck. Like the temperatures annually, I've looked into it. They're literally the exact same where we are and where you are, but we definitely do not get any action. Certainly for the months of January and February and, and probably much of November and December as well. So that's uh, interesting that I can get, um, Weekends. Uh, what, what size is your property? Uh, it's a four, four, two and a half. Okay. And then cool. we just bought a five to six bedroom, three bath property. What do you mean by five to six? Well, it's five bedrooms. And then there's, it's not a loft. It's not like where you look down in the living room below. It's closed in. There's just not a door. Mm, okay. It would be like you walk in and there's a game room type area that will have beds in. And then you can walk into a door that where, where there's a bedroom. Yes, I've coined the phrase on that half bedroom. So we would call that, I would call that a five and a half bedroom. Okay. Uh, you, rent, you buy it and sell it as a five, right? But you rent it as a six. Yeah. So I, I would call it a five and a half, which it's going to take a really long time for that to catch on. So I don't know if that's ever going to work anyway, but. Uh, so real estate wise, so we're in the weeds on it, but uh, like if you had a three bedroom house and it had an office, like in regular real estate, when you're listing something, it would go online as a three to four bedroom. So that's kind of piggybacking on that. That's kind of accepted real estate stuff that somebody might have seen elsewhere. It would be like a five to six, but I completely agree with you about kind of a half bedroom. Yeah. Um, we were going somewhere with that though. Weekends the in the wintertime. Weather is similar. Um, I think the difference is that say for me, if I was going to come to Florida, that would be a big vacation for me. Because I would have to fly or drive like 14 hours to get there. Uh, Houston, I mean, it's like two hours, two hours away, and I'm in Galveston or Crystal Beach, so it's a easy weekend getaway for a lot of people. And you'll get bookings, you know, as little as like, I mean, we've had we've had them less far out, but even two weeks two weeks out is pretty normal. I mean, you're not crossing a state line; you're just trying to not be at your house. And Houston is. Uh, huge city. Like, so it's like 7.2 million people or something like that from the latest census. And it, there's a lot of the whole reason people live in Houston is because of jobs. So people have good paying jobs, discretionary income, and they've decided last minute that they don't want to spend their weekend at home. They want to go out and get away. This is the perfect explanation of a fantastic vacation market. It really is, you know. Um, what's the average uh, min- midnight stay, like a duration of stay? Uh, are there a lot of people doing seven-day only, uh, or or what are we doing there? Uh, the traditional, you know, like you call up the local rental place and they tell you about a couple places over the phone. They traditionally have sold those as either weekend or week-long stays. That's obviously not an optimal way to do things. Uh, what I find, so we do a two-night minimum during the off-season and a three-night minimum 
during the uh, summer. And we'll have any anywhere between three, four, five, six night stays during summer and very few orphan nights in between. Like okay. four or so the whole summer. But I have to give it to, you know, hats off to Curtis. He's a really, really good property manager. Your husband so, manages the property. Yes. I okay. find them. He manages them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Give credit where credit's due. I know something, a little something about that uh, system as well. Uh, yeah, Avery says, "Here, go buy this," and then off we go. Yeah, uh, and then you get to deal with it from then on. Yes, deal with it. Yes, and ex that's exactly how I would describe it. I now get to deal with this thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like a short-term thing on our end. Like, here's this great house, and we sell you on it, and then it's your baby for the next forever. Right. Yeah, but I do enjoy it as much yeah. as it drives me absolutely insane. So anyway, I like your style there. I think I agree. I would do the same thing two two uh, two days in the off season and three nights in the uh, in the, in the big season. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, again, we've we've covered that extensively. And a good time for me to plug my podcast, short term rental management. If you're interested in like minimum night stays and things like that, that's a topic we cover very often on my show, which is uh, comes out every Tuesday. We'd love to have you. Uh, check that out. Uh, is that going to be different? Uh, am I going to have uh, different minimum night stays for different sized properties? Uh, I haven't noticed when I've heard other owners, they'll talk in uh, our short-term shop, Texas Coast Group. I'm not noticing that they have very different stay. They they tend to agree with the two-night minimum on in the off-season and three-night minimum in the high-season. I've even actually heard uh, actually, Derek Tellier, he owns in this market and he'll even allow a one night stay at really jacked up prices. I think it's something you recommended in general. Um, and he'll do that. And he says he's gotten some big bookings and he has a large property. It may even be a smaller booking. He has a good, he has like a second row property. Um, he's even had somebody rent it. We're just like two people and paid like an exorbitant amount for one night. Yeah, I do that. I do that. I will, uh, and I, I actually stole that directly from Airbnb. They had a summit in Pigeon Forge um, this summer, and they said that uh, if you have one night holes, do not um, block them. They well, they didn't say it in so many words because you're allowed to do whatever you want. But they said basically, hey, if you were to open up those one nighters, like, and again, this would be usually for a larger property that you would never allow one nighters. Um, if you were to open those one nighters up and raise the price so that. In other words, let me put it this way. Let's say I open up the one night hole and I'm charging $2,000 a night. And I'm just making yeah. numbers up. Ridiculous number. And it's better for your overall algorithms. We're talking about the OTAs here, the, your booking.com, oh. your, your, your Verbos, your, uh, your Airbnb. It is better for your overall, overall algorithm to have that night open than not. And essentially, if you, are, have, if you have it open at $2,000, that's really kind of no different than having it blocked. And if somebody does book it, cool. you're happy. I'd be happy. Um, as yes, a matter of fact, take your green money. <laughs> I'm going to get in the weeds here. We Avery's mom was over about a week or two ago and she's got a cabin in the Smokies and, you know, a vacation home. And she said, Luke, somebody just booked me for one night because I help her with her pricing. And I said, and I, and I, I just recently did this method with her and I switched her over and I looked up and I smiled because nobody's booked any of my big ones for one night. And I looked up and I smiled at her and I go, why don't you look and see how much that was? Yeah. And she was like, oh my goodness, it was like $600. I think, I think it was set in the $700 range for one night with the cleaning fee, of course. But Is I it go, a small one? 
No, it's a three bedroom. It's got a, oh, okay. a movie, a movie theater, a three bedroom. And, um, and, and she, I go, are, are you okay with that 700 bucks for one night? And she said, yes, I am. And I said, okay, well yeah. it's working, <laughs> you know? So normally I wouldn't want anything to do with the one nighter, uh, on a larger, pr- any, really anything three bedrooms or higher, but, uh, but that's kind of what folks have been doing lately now that we're way in the weeds. Yeah. I'm not against the idea of trying it out. Yeah. Um, I, I do think with, I mean, it can be hard if you're coming into uh, Galveston or Crystal Beach, Crystal Beach more so. And, you know, you drove out, you know, the two hours uh, for the day. It, there's not a lot of hotels. There's not a lot of hotels that you could just go stay in for one night. And so the alternative is a short term rental. And most do have, uh, you know, a two night or three night minimum. So Offering that as an option, yeah, you could pick somebody up who just honestly wants to avoid having to go back home that night because that's driving four hours in one day. Yeah. Do you and find that? Um, the, the, do you find that the competition is fairly on, on, on a level playing field? Uh, like, if your enemy methoding are a lot of the properties similarly booked, or are some of them really crushing it and some of them sucking? Some of them are really crushing it, and some of them are sucking. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. Are we allowed to say sucking? Sorry, I, just I will. Did. Uh, yeah, I'll re- I'll refrain from saying that again. Sorry. So, but I mean, it's it's true. So the market, so by and large, when people are buying a property with me, um, a lot of the time it's with one of the local rental companies. Like it'll be with you know that has like a physical office there in town, and you know they're in a rental pool. And my suspicion with rental pools is that like, let's say they have 10 four-bedroom houses. You call and you say you want a four-bedroom house. Well, property A got a booking, property B got a booking. And so now we just move down the list. And I don't think they get sold at it the same way. I think they try to keep everybody just a little bit happy. And so instead of like on Airbnb, where you just see a list of all the properties, if you're calling or something like that, they'll kind of push you toward the next property that hasn't gotten a booking. I honestly believe that that's, it's like in a round robin fashion and it may not work. And you may say, I don't like that one. And they'll go to the next one. I mean, you're free to pick whatever you want, but I think they promote it in a round robin fashion. Uh, So So you're not going to get a lot of like amazing rental history a lot of times. Um, And then, and, but, and you may have people who just throw it online and they really consider it Lanyap because it's a second home. And if they're not going to be there, then they'll just open up their calendar, but they're not, a lot of people are not professional hosts. They are not, they do not have price labs. They, you know, they, they're just offering like a place to sleep and access to the beach. And then there's other people who clearly know what they're doing when you look Land at the yap. So. <laughs> Extra. Luke, do you know what that word means? Oh. Well, well, we have a restaurant called uh, Land, Land Yap near us, but I don't know yeah. what it means. That's a very Louisiana term. It means extra, like gravy. Yeah, yeah it's all gravy. <laughs> Same thing. So, um, would you say, uh, do you have any, just guess, uh, percentage of properties that are third-party professionally managed versus uh, owner-managed? owner, owner managed? It's increasing. I think it's a minority of properties that are self-managed. It's mm-hmm. a minority. I'm usually surprised when one is self-managed, and a lot of times it still is a second home for people. Uh, it's probably not going to be available, you know, 365 days a year for you to rent. It's probably going to be that they've blocked out certain days that they like to go and stay. Can you give me a, a general, again, this is, <laughs> feel free to take as much time as you need on this. Uh, yeah. What what am I charging per night on, let's say your, you know, your five bedroom 
what 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 are you getting per night? Say in February, what are you getting per night in July? I can answer more on the four bedroom. We haven't set up. Well, we are setting up, but it's not listed yet. Our five and a half, five to six bedroom house. Uh, for the four bedroom, if we are really looking to book it, the absolute lowest we'll book or we'll offer it for rent is like 200 to 250 a night on the off season. Like, like right now, non-holiday weekend, 200 to 250 a night. Um, but during the summer, you know, let's say like July 4th, probably eight, eight or 900 a night. Mm. And my property is not, even though we love it and our guests really love it, uh, you know, it's not a first or second row property. We're 12 rows from the beach. Mm. It's in a neighborhood that accesses it. We're essentially outperforming what we should be doing for what it is. Because you're good at it. Yes. Because you're paying more attention than your competition. Yes. Right. It is possible to do that. I find that people expect sometimes magic to happen when they haven't put in the work to make magic happen. They offer a place to stay and they just think, you know, if you buy it, they will come. And I'm like, you're going to have to make it like give them a reason to say yes, make it pet friendly, put games. Oh, they don't have to bring their baby high chair. They don't have to bring chairs. They don't, you're just giving them reasons to say yes. So we give them all the reasons to say yes and no reasons to say no. And they still may not book, but that's not my problem. Somebody else will. Bravo. You just uh, summed up my entire life in a, in a paragraph. So thank you. And again, if you want more on that, Short Term Rental Management uh, podcast comes out every Tuesday uh, and you can find that uh, anywhere. My podcast loves five-star reviews, uh, by the way. So is it safe to say that if I'm running numbers, and as we're way off topic here, and that's okay, if I'm running numbers on a new purchase, uh, run it on, based on my enemies, and there's a pretty good chance I can be very confident I'll do better than them if, you know, if I'm doing my job. So how I run numbers for myself, if I'm looking at buying a property, is I do a version of the enemy method. It wasn't really my intention to do it that way, but it, it basically is a version of it. What I do is I go in Air DNA, and if I'm looking at buying a four bedroom, then I, you know, only look at four bedrooms, and then I basically just hover over the map until I get to a number that I like, like eighty thousand or more, and then I ask myself, can I do that with this property? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that one's beachfront. This property isn't beachfront, so I can't do that. Now, am I going to take away some ideas potentially of things I like? Oh, yeah, I'm going to take a screenshot. Oh, they have this, they have that. Okay, how could I do that? I'm still going to incorporate what I can learn. But if I can't replicate it, then that's not truly a comp. So I I search for rental potential because I know that I'm better at it than a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I, and gener- generally speaking, I want to break even at 50th percentile, even though my goal is to make money and perform at 75th percentile. Like, right, which is realistic. Airbnb. Uh, go ahead. It's realistic to me that we will perform in the 75th percentile, but everybody makes missteps. Like we talked about recently on your podcast, like you have to figure things out. Um, you know, air conditioners go out, stuff happens. Um, you want to at least break even or come very close to breaking even at at 50th percentile. But for me, I feel like there's no freaking way I'm doing worse than 50% of the people around. Right. And here's the deal. This is no secret. You know, a lot lot, lot of folks will hear this or or get into this space and they think it's a secret. Oh, this is some 
unknown thing where all I have to do is put it on Airbnb and there's a secret pot of gold and I can go get it and, it's, and quit my job. Well, that, that doesn't exist. The, the truth of the matter is, it's just a very limited amount of people in the world that would want to do what we're talking about here, you know, in the grand scheme of humans. So um, if this appeals to you like it does to me and it does to Avery and it does to Kelsey, then yes, be pretty confident that you're going to do better than the next guy. But you got to hang in there and you got to keep keep at it. And you can't you decide that, you know, you, you've had enough, you know, it's in six months. Um, of course, you can always put it with a property manager. You know, that's always a decent little backup plan there. Um, uh, what, well, you mentioned occupancy rates. So, or you mentioned a 50 percentile, which made me think of occupancy rates. What kind of an occupancy rate uh, do you get on your on your four bedroom for, the, for like an annual basis? It's about 70 percent. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I like to tell people like an average occupancy rate for a beach market would be like 65%. So this is actually a little higher than some of them. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm To be honest, our property it performs better for the size of property that it is than is typical. Okay. So it's, it's performing above 75th percentile. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, I would say you know, my property isn't, you know, beachfront. It's not brand new. It's not ginormous. It really is a testament to the great property management that my husband does. So your property does not have to be the absolute biggest and baddest house in the entire world, but you do have to run it really well and set it up very well and choose correctly from the get-go to make it to be somewhere that someone says, hey, I'd rather stay there than somewhere else. Uh, I like that we've redone the calculator so that people aren't guessing at occupancy and and ADR and trying to make that make sense. Now our uh, AirDNA data that we provide just tells the uh, annual revenue because I don't care if you wanted to rent my beach house for one night for $90,000. Great. I don't have to make money any of the rest of the year, but you know that's not realistic, but they've already told you in there how much you'll make in gross if um, if you have a four bedroom and it's performing at say 75th percentile. So I really appreciate that that's a little more transparent for people. I really don't obsess about nightly rate or um, occupancy because you could run it two totally different ways. Like what I tell people all the time is like you could have a blue beach house and I could have a purple beach house right next door to each other, identical in every way. And you know, I could be offering mine at dirt cheap and it's booking all kinds, you know, every night of the year, just about, and you have a higher rate and you're making the same amount of money, but less wear and tear on the house. So there's, you know, it's more than one way to skin a cat. So you can do it different ways, but I prefer not to have as much wear on the property if I can get away with it. And if we sound like we're being vague, it's because we are. There is no formula here, my friends. Okay. If you're listening to this podcast, really what you're looking to do is take away some nuggets of information to give you some confidence. That's all you're looking for. If you're looking for the answer to the pot of gold that we were talking about earlier, it maybe exists, but that's not, it doesn't exist. Right. So um, I think my point is, yes, we're being vague. Every single thing we're talking about is a variable. Every single thing we're talking about will be also based on manager performance. How good are you at this? How many expenses are you going to have? At the end of the day, a piece of property, it's how much does it bring in minus how much did it cost me equals what's left over, right? Net cash flow. 
So um, that that number is going to change. Maybe you're the type of person. Maybe maybe you've got uh, an interior designer in your family, and she's going in there. I don't know what. Maybe it's not a she. It's usually a she. Maybe it's a he. They're going in there and they're completely redoing the kitchen every 12 months because they're bored. Well, you're not going to make as much money, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe you're the opposite end of that spectrum. The type of landlord that never changes anything and never puts a dollar into their property. That person can milk it a little more, but over time, you know, you're going to be dealing with guests that aren't as happy and lower quality guests. And that's, that's not for me. I'm somewhere right in the middle of that, but, um, so Avery, explain to me like I'm four years old. What is the enemy method? At its very simplest. It, so it's got nothing to do with data, by the way. Data is the separate other piece of the puzzle. The enemy method is more of the qualitative analysis. So data is quantitative. Enemy method is qualitative. And what you're looking at is just looking at other people's listings and seeing what they have and what you could have about your property, whether it's location, amenities, decor, things you can add, your own skill at management to make a potential renter book your property instead of someone else's. How do I go about doing this? Now, Kelsey, this is what pops in my brain. Kelsey mentioned $800 a night at 4th of July. Now, couldn't I just go on some uh, 16 different listings and see what they're charging for the 4th of July? If their calendar is open that far out, it can be hard to... When people try to figure out ADR and they're trying to make those two numbers, you know, multiply them together, how many days a year and ADR, uh, that can be hard to figure out in the off season when somebody is like, you know, it's extra, it's Lanya, if somebody's booking this weekend at 200 or 250. So I know that can be a difficulty for people who aren't familiar with the market and aren't sure how to run their numbers there. So a right. lot of times calendars aren't open that far out. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So. Where do we go from here? How do I, <clears throat> did we get anywhere? How do I know how much, uh, how to price my property? Uh, and to, again, to, for me, if you've got gaps in your calendar, you're, you need to make changes. It's as simple as that. The most important thing with pricing, first of all, I want to back up. Pricing is the most important part of managing real estate, vacation rental real estate, in my opinion. Now, it's also a very big factor with long-term, but it's literally, I would say at least 50, if not 60% of your job uh, in the long term, as a, a short-term rental property manager or landlord, is what we're talking about here. Is should be spent on pricing. The rest of it, the forty, maybe fifty percent, should be split up into managing calendars, managing uh, the the maintenance and handyman and plumbers and toilets and shower heads and shower curtains and towels and all that. So pricing needs to be the focus of your energy. If you're listening to this and looking to take away something or make notes. Write it down, put it on a calendar. The pricing needs to be scheduled. Like let's say every Tuesday you spend an hour and a half on pricing your properties or property. You know, maybe you have a period of time per property. Each property deserves 15 minutes of my attention twice a week, Tuesday, Friday, whatever it may be. And also want to reiterate the fact that the calendar is a 30-day thing. People get too obsessed with all this availability and advanced availability and, and, and occupancy, in my opinion, Airbnb says that all vacations are 30 days or less. So really, in theory, that means that the only thing you care about is the next 30 days of your calendar. Now, that's a very broad statement, but I'm happy with broad statements. 
If you've got a larger property, maybe you want it booked a little further in advance. If you're on the beach in, in Galveston, you probably want your July to be booked way further in advance than 30 days, right? So there's a lot of exceptions to that rule. Go ahead, Kelsey. Yeah, we opened up something? our calendar based on advice that we got in, um, you know, just general advice that's always posted in um, the short-term shop clients club that uh, we opened up our calendar, not just like three months out, but I know it's open at least six months out to be able to allow people to book a vacation well in advance. What do I care if they want to book July and December? I'm not, I'm still going to own the property. So uh, if they want to pay a high rate and they want to book for July, yes, please give me your money. I would love and that. And that will happen. If you're in a beach market, you can assume that July is going to be very, probably your highest month of the year, give or take. And it should likely book further in advance. That's one of those things where the 30-day thing doesn't really come into play. Avery, what is the client club and how do I get in it? So we have several Facebook groups. Several of them are public, but the client club is for clients only. So you have to be a real estate client of the short-term shop to be able to be a member of that um, particular Facebook group. It's, it's more exclusive. And you do have another bigger group? Yes. So we typically plug that at the end of the show. Uh, if you guys want to, <laughs> uh, if you guys want to hang out in our public group, if you're not ready to buy a house yet, it's the same title as my book right behind me. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. There's about 60,000 people in there. And we're just talking about short-term rentals all day, every day. So okay. I think just on that point about the Facebook group, uh, it is really hard to encapsulate for people who don't come in like they haven't heard about, let's say they've contacted me separately outside of um, the short-term shop. And they haven't, for whatever crazy reason, heard of A3. Not <laughs> um, possible. <laughs> I, I, there's a few. There's that, a few stragglers out there. So when I try to tell them about what we offer, it's honestly really hard to let them know. And one of the biggest things is you'll go in one of these groups and you know, you're, you're talking about these people who think you're just going to throw it on Airbnb and there's going to be this pot of gold. And they don't realize that there's some work that goes into making the magic happen. Like it, it is active income. It's not some set it and forget it rotisserie chicken. Like it just is not. It's active income that you earn. And you'll see a lot of these people in owner groups, public owner groups on Facebook. Uh, and they'll be complaining like the quality of the comments are generally low. Lots of people will tell you, oh, no, you can't do this. Oh, that'll never work. It's lots of naysayers. Lots of naysayers. Um, it couldn't be further from the truth in the client club, the quality of the comments, the quality of the information, the experience behind it is completely different. And being able to go in there and ask anything from what are your favorite sheets that aren't going to get, you know, messed up in the wash, like after three washes to I'm having a problem with my calendar and Airbnb can't seem to fix it. Has anyone run into this? like a really niche issue that's not easy to solve. And within minutes, people are responding. Multiple people will be responding with solutions and suggestions. And, yes, and you don't get that on your own. No, I agree. It's high quality, definitely high level Facebook. I also want to mention that everybody in that Facebook group has been to Management Monday, which is taught by yours truly. If you come by a house with a shop, you come to Management Monday with me, I'll teach you everything I know about landlording in the vacation rental space. We're way off topic. Let me bring it back and then we'll let everybody go here in just a minute. But uh, we talked about uh, average lead time. Can you give me a broad uh, overview? Like uh, what 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 should my calendar look like 
you know, starting kind of with the first of the year um, through the end of the year, like how far in advance do I want things to be booked? If you have your calendar opened up for like six months, you may have your occasional vacation where somebody's planned in advance. I mean, think about the people in your life who are planners and they plan things six months in advance. You're going to have a few of those. But if you're a wall-to-wall book for like your whole summer and it's February, you priced it way too low. Uh, We generally, and I see it play out, that um, booking should be, you should have your calendar booked out the way you would expect within that six-week rule. I generally find that to be that it holds true in this market. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I think that's about it for me. Avery, did we miss anything? No, I think you guys did a a really great job. And you you looked like you were going to say something. (laughs) Okay, well, then we'll sign off. So guys, if you're ready to buy with Kelsey in this market, you can email us at agents at the short term shop.com and we will get you connected with her. Or if you want to join our Facebook group, like we already talked about short term rental, long term wealth Facebook group, that's the public one. And uh, if you guys have any questions that you just kind of want to talk to somebody about, you can join a live Q&A with myself and Luke every Thursday. You can sign up for that at strquestions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.